Hello and welcome to Life with Ed, the podcast. I'm Julia Wirth, your host, a registered dietitian here in New Haven, Connecticut. Um, it's episode 15, so uh, here we are, 30 weeks in from when we started, and uh, things have changed a lot. Um, we are now working towards a Q&A uh, episode coming up, and I'm going to bring back some old guests. So if you would be able to send in any questions, things that have come up during these past 30 weeks, um, that would be awesome. Just send them to Worth Your While Nutrition, uh, Worth, W-E-R-T-H, Your While Nutrition at gmail.com. So uh, just send your questions my way. We're having that episode recorded in September. So uh, although it may still seem very much like summer, that's actually only like two, maybe three weeks away. So please uh, send your questions my way and um, we'll get ready for that podcast. So now uh, on to this week. Um, I just want to talk a little before we get started about um you know, something that my fiance Dylan showed me on Reddit. I know this is not the traditional article of the week, but I think it's really important to talk about how a lot of us get our news and information from social media and especially um, platforms like Reddit or Instagram where everyone's like commenting and giving their opinion as if they're an expert um, on any and every subject, especially nutrition. So I just wanted to share that on the fasting subreddit, um, which uh, makes me really sad to say that there there even is one um, where people like share their stories and promote fasting. Um, that sounds a lot like a place that you encourage or promote eating disorders on. So I just wanted to share that. Um, yes, in fact, that is the case. And there's one post in particular that is super harmful. Um, so it's this woman. She posted that she was not eating for eight hours um, or not eating for 16 hours of the day and eating for eight. And then recently she transitioned um, just four months ago to actually only eating one hour a day. So uh, for anybody considering uh, fasting, it's it's not you know a diet that any dietitian should recommend to you if they're following their ethics. Um, and especially no one should be only eating one hour a day. Uh, so, so that's the first thing, you know, it's not healthy. It's not really what our bodies are meant to do. Um, what's even more disturbing is in the post, um, you know, she's so proud of herself and really happy for what she has attained, um, with her fasting lifestyle. And there's all these comments like praising her and making her sound uh, like this is the best thing ever. And she's doing a great job. And then there's one comment or, or explanation from her, and in it she talks about how um, because caveman didn't eat for uh, long periods of time, uh, you know, we shouldn't be eating <laughs> for long periods of time. I'll read exactly what she said. She said, our social norms surrounding three square meals a day are not our nature. Hunting, killing, and mass consuming calories in one sitting is much closer to what our bodies were engineered to do. With all that in mind, I've been fascinated with trying to get back to a point where I'm living a lifestyle that best fits my species. I just want to say evolution isn't over. Um, it, didn't, it didn't stop with cavemen. A paleo is not, you know, the best thing for us, uh, certainly. And, you know, eating one hour a day because cavemen might have done that occasionally 
um, and I'm not even sure that's true, is definitely not not the way to go. The other thing that she says in here and is really why I wanted to bring this up is she has this um, paragraph at the end where she pretty much explains, you know, an eating disorder. She talks about how she's feeling and how it it can be gratifying. You can feel powerful almost um, when you successfully or, you know, (laughs) I don't know if successful is the right word, but when you um, are not eating enough you can feel like oh look what I I accomplished um in a like perverse way and she talks about the power and the control of that and that is a a clear indicator of an eating disorder um if anyone is getting like power or that they're finding control in their life by controlling their food that's a sign that it is a mental illness it goes much deeper than just the food and this is what they're using just to feel okay So um, I'm just going to read that paragraph. It might be hard to hear for a lot of people, but I think it's important that we realize this sort of thing is not okay. And if we hear someone saying something like that or we see someone writing that, you know, call it out. Don't don't let that be, you know, acceptable or don't praise it. Um, Say, hey, uh, can we talk for a little bit? That doesn't sound, you know, the way that I experience food. So um, maybe you could talk about it or get some help. Don't, you know, throw them off a cliff with your judgmentalness and, uh, you know, disdain, but also they need something. They need help. So she says, yes, weight loss can feel good and face gains are always a plus, but the biggest reward I feel I take away from all of all of this, sorry, is the feeling of having control over a rather large aspect of my life. There are things that we can't control, things we can control, and things we can control that we sometimes forget about. I'm proud of myself for having the patience and discipline to adjust to this lifestyle, even if I someday resort to a different dietary plan. Um, so yeah, that is in short, um, an eating disorder. So just because someone on Reddit or Instagram or any other social media site is saying, you know, I've had wonderful success and happiness, um, with a certain plan that doesn't make it good. That doesn't make them an expert and they honestly could have a mental illness. So they need help. Um, and if you know someone like this or you see someone posting a great place to tell them to go for help is the National Eating Disorder Association, NEDA. Um, you can find them online and they have wonderful resources and you can even do like remote chat to speak with someone. So I'm definitely going to recommend that to everyone. Um, but without further ado, I'm going to welcome on our guest. This is my first successfully without any sound difficulty recorded phone call. So I'm really happy to introduce Mariah Staley. She uh, was my preceptor in my clinical rotation um, in Baltimore when I was a dietetic intern in 2018. Um, So she's wonderful. I learned so much from her when I was her student. And honestly, I learned a whole lot in this conversation. So I'm sure you will too. Um, But here we go. Hey, Mariah. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Well, um, you ready to get started? Yeah. Okay, cool. So um, I have Mariah on with me today. Uh, She was my clinical, um, what's the right word? 
a preceptor preceptor yeah um my clinical preceptor in my nutrition internship and I just want to start with asking you Mariah because I don't think I've ever even asked this how did you first get interested in nutrition and cooking so I have always loved to cook since the time I was a little kid okay and I lived in Maryland, and the county I was in, they have a lot of different, like, um, tech schools, so technology schools, as well as, like, magnet schools. Like, voc schools? Like, vocational schools? Exactly, vocational schools. So, um, the one school I ended up going to, Western, they had a cooking program. You did a little entry, you made biscuits, had to do math and convert a recipe, and I got in. And so from the age of 14, I was cooking in school every other day for half of my day. Wow. Um, That's a lot. Yeah. It was a lot. Uh, it was very immersive because what they wanted you to be able to do was to leave high school with a skill that you could actually go and work. Yeah. Um, That's so important. It was. And it was also my teacher, she let us do what's called pro-start competitions. Okay. So with that, uh, I don't know if anyone's heard of them, but we did a management one, and we basically created a restaurant from the ground up, um, having to consider financial menu design, and then we competed where we had to present this project to um, just a board of different professionals in the food service industry. Wow. And then and then you went to Johnson & Wales and did more cooking? I did. So I went to Johnson & Wales um, initially for my associate in okay. culinary. And I think my second trimester, I took the culinary nutrition lab. So it was a hybrid where we were in the kitchen cooking, but then we were also learning about nutrition. And it was the first time outside of my home, like with my mom, who's very health conscious, where I saw chefs focusing on cooking healthier and using less fat and less salt and different cooking methods to add flavor like herbs and spices. Um, so I just, after that, I just decided I would do the nutrition program for my bachelor's and it just took off from there. So I, I very, I found out I wanted to be a dietitian a lot later. Yeah. Uh, but it was definitely the right choice for me. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, how did you feel when you like first started, you know, thinking about food as like, okay, well, um, you know, I could use less fat and less salt or, um, you know, whatever it is, because it would change how my body uh, reacts to it. So I think I actually found it to be a very powerful tool. Yeah. Um, because when I was younger, I really focused on restrictive eating as mm. a teen it was restricting it was less calories it was really focusing on not eating as much to like keep my weight down but then as I got older it became oh protein helps you build muscles you know when I work out this has helped me feel better yeah. you know I, and then learning different fruits, ways to cook fruits and vegetables is just eye-opening because Okay, there's more than just salad. There's more than just broccoli. Um, so it's very freeing to just learn how to cook and how to just use different techniques than just trying foods and butters. So it was it was helpful to find out um, not just how to cook healthy, but just how to cook. And yeah, because your food tastes good. 
Yeah. And how do you feel good after you eat though? Yeah. Instead of feeling like sluggish and tired. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, you said your mom is very health conscious. Yes. Yeah, so my mom, I can't remember since the time I was little, she did all different types of diets. Um, and I, I remember once, I think I was probably 10 or 12, and I did Weight Watchers, which... Oh, wow. Back at it, yeah. That's and really young. Mom, it's a lot. I mean, I think I was 10 or 12, and my mom's friend at work had the book, so it was before you had, like, an app. Yeah. And I got the book, and I was tracking on paper my Weight Watchers points at 10 and 12. Uh, <laughs> Gosh. Wow. And that, like, you probably yeah. don't ever forget that, too. Like, oh, I know how many points that banana is or whatever. To be honest, though, I really don't think about the points anymore. Oh, that's I good. Don't, I don't remember getting to a point where I had anything memorized. Okay. I really had to use the book, which is good. Cause I only that's awesome, yeah. Yeah, I only did it for a year. So that was good about it. But I did that, and then my mom had the whole house on a, a flat belly diet for a while. Oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so, so I learned about dieting at a young age. Yeah. Um, and then when I learned about nutrition. Did it like go along with it for you? Because I think, at least for me, like I remember being in like nutrition classes and obviously UConn's different than Johnson and Wales because not everyone really knows how to cook there. Um, but but people would be like on some crazy diet and then they'd be in nutrition class and they would be like, Oh yeah, it makes sense that I'm doing this because we shouldn't be, you know, eating as much whatever. Um, but, but for me, it was like kind of the opposite. I was in class and I was like, like you thinking, Oh wow. Like I should be eating more protein. Cause like my poor muscles, I'm depriving them of all this stuff. Um, did, I don't know for you, did you have an experience one way or the other? I found that most of my classmates um, shrugged off diet culture. They, a lot of them did not feed into it because we understood that the the fad diets, the, these things weren't sustainable. But in, in our nutrition courses, we were fed the basic, this is your healthy BMI. You yeah. Know, I remember having to do weighing ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. I remember having to do, like, um, waste and hip measurements to see if, you know, just, just behaviors that still fed into the concept of um, BMI, body fat, and, your weight. And what did you take away from that? At the time, it, it just kept, I kept in my mind thinking, even at my most active and eating a very good diet, I was nowhere near the like idea supposed body Like healthy BMI, yeah. Exactly healthy BMI for myself. Um, and then I also remember thinking the BMI was not created for us as a standard, but we were still holding it as a standard. Right. Um, so it's kind of conflicting because everything was, every patient you go to see, everything they bring up, BMI, BMI. Yeah. Um, so it was really a lot of just looking at myself and being like, "Is do, do I think that this should really be applied for myself and for my practice. Yeah. Um, How do you reckon that? So like to step back a little bit, I've talked before on my podcast and written about like BMI is not supposed to be used on an individual level. It's, it was created as like a population statistic. Right. And, 
And so for you as a dietitian, when you go into a room, I mean, you typically would, you know, look at their weight and height and calculate their BMI. Do, do you feel like weird about doing that? Or do you think it helps? Or, or I don't know. How do you reckon with like that? It doesn't seem right. I tend to focus more on like weight changes. Okay. So for me, it's all about like, what is your usual body weight? What do you usually weigh? Right. We most, most of us tend to sit at a certain weight. Um, I know a lot of people who either never work out, eat the same way, and a lot of times their bodies get comfortable at our set point. Right. And so for me, I look at when I'm talking to patients, have you had a change in your normal? So what do you weigh? You know, and so yeah. everyone has a different weight they usually weigh. And then if there's a drastic change, so if you've gained a lot of weight or if you've lost a lot of weight, and you particularly, even if you have done something for that change, I want to look at, well, why did this change happen? Because yeah. it's serious. Yeah, and that makes um, so much more sense than like, oh, your height you is like 5'8", you should be, you know, 100 and whatever pounds. Mm-hmm. Um, if you've always been, you know, 30 pounds more than that, it doesn't doesn't seem to, to be achievable or right. So I like to look at more of the individual patient and then also making sure, am I meeting this? person's needs realistically right. um, so what they need to eat what they usually eat so what their usual diet is what are those calories you know do they need more because they're on dialysis mm-hmm. um, do they need less because um, their body's not processing protein so I really try which is hard to put that in because yeah, that's the rule that you're looked at when you're audited to meet um when it really should be a more like holistic individual yeah holistic and individualized approach to my hospitalization yeah yeah that's definitely one reason I didn't end up working in a hospital because I was like I just don't think I can you know go along with weighing everybody and being okay with telling someone you know you need to lose weight or whatever and that's something that I will never discuss with my patients Mm-hmm. unless they choose to bring it up to me okay. as a goal of theirs. And then I'll discuss it with them. But I don't think the hospital is ever an appropriate time. Yeah. You're there for like a few it. days. Exactly. Hopefully. You're there for a few yeah. days. And even if you're there for longer, you're there because you're really sick. Yeah. And the last thing someone needs to be told when they're very sick is, oh, and by the way, based on these predisposed, these pre-created standards, right. you should be 30 pounds lighter. So right. I don't... And I've gotten consults from physicians and nursing, and I usually just focus on talking to the patient about how they're eating, how they feel, right? their goals, you know, but not necessarily about their weight. Yeah. Um, I, I did a little of, like, reading before I called because um, I was thinking about something that I think actually at the day that all of the interns from Maryland presented a poster, um, one of the speakers like talked about and it was like saying how BMI is not, um, you know, it's not only supposed to be done on the population standard, but it's not accurate for all like ethnicities. Right. And, (laughs) and I, I don't know. I thought, um, you know, they talk about, you know, using BMI and you're looking at, you know, someone who's 
you know, Asian or someone who's, um, you know, African-American or whatever. And, and they're not the same body type, no matter how you cut it. So why are we using, you know, the same standard? Um, and I don't know, has, have you ever talked about that or, or thought about that with other clinicians? So I actually, it's funny because I did a little digging before I came onto the podcast today and I've seen some research. There's not a lot of it. Not a lot, yeah. um, Different populations, so African-American, Asian, South Pacific Asian, um, Hispanic and Latino. But it did come to basically saying that different ethnicities may have different body types, just different body compositions, yeah. different compositions of fat stores and where they hold their fat. And it was funny because I think two or three years ago, I changed my endocrinologist mm-hmm. and talked about, you know, my goals, things I was interested in, you know, what I, what my diet was like, what my exercise was like. Um, she actually brought up the fact that in studies, they found that African-American women our bodies are bigger. Right. She didn't get in depth about, you know, the, the, the composition, but she said the BMI that African-American women are being told their bodies should be sitting at is a lot lower than what their bodies Yeah, and that's exactly the research that I, I think was presented at the conference we were at. And I think that was amazing for me to have a, a physician who was, I didn't even really bring it up, but a physician that understood that, you know, this is a patient who is coming from a different background than me. Yeah. And I'm going to let them know that these standards aren't, and she knew I was a dietitian. Right. So kind of putting it out there like, hey, if you don't know, this standard is not something to be achieved. Right. That's not your goal. It's yeah. very reassuring. That's so amazing that she said that because I feel like most doctors wouldn't even, you know, blink an eye um, or change what they would say. Yeah, my, I remember how my pediatrician was constantly telling my mom, she's too big for her age. And I was like, as a result, my children's bodies change. Yeah, yeah. From the time they're born, your body is changing. Right. And so... I feel like we were always told, you know, kids aren't supposed to lose weight. They're supposed to, like, you know, grow into their size if they have to. Um, mm-hmm. But you're never supposed to tell a kid, like, oh, you're too big. <laughs> <laughs> that just say, seems terrible. <laughs> it's very interesting. And it's very it's funny, too, because she didn't, the pediatrician didn't focus as much as, like, my, you know, I ate the rainbow. I ate my first thing that I right. I ate, you know, I wasn't a big fish fan as a child, but I ate chicken and beef and all the different meats. And, yeah. you know, I did dance as a child. So I was active. Yeah. And so the Good. focus wasn't done on that. The focus was beginning to be on, but her weight higher than the percentile it should be. Right. Um, and then to switch to probably decades later to a physician that's saying, hey, you're you're doing things and you're finding your, your body's balance. Right. Keep doing it. Yeah. Oh, oh, I'm glad you found one who, um, who would talk to you like that. So to shift gears a little bit, I know that, um, your Instagram is RD plus, right? 
Yes. And you do a lot of posting about like body positivity and um, self-love type topics, right? Yes. Yeah. So could you talk a little bit first about what it's like as a plus size dietitian? And then how do you define body positivity? So as a plus size dietitian, I think from the beginning of it, it was very different to see a dietitian that looks like me. Right. I'm African American. I am plus size. Um, and I think since probably middle school, I've been plus size. And I remember this connotation of the word sticking with me for a while of plus being something negative. You know, I couldn't just fit in the, the junior's clothes. I needed the, the junior's plus clothes. Yeah. And I was like, why can't they just use a different name for it? Or, different, so I had a very negative. Yeah. Or just keep going, you know? Like, why don't the sizes just keep going? Exactly. <laughs> keep going. Um, and then it was funny because I actually looked up. I was like, well, what is the we use plus a lot, but what's the definition? And one definition I found very funny, uh, my dad's in the math field, yeah. was algebraically it means positive. Yeah, so, it does. <laughs> it means positive. It means an advantage. Um, it means an addition of something. And so my biggest shift to look at my body where this is my body set point. This is where my body's happy as a plus-size woman. Um, and when I shifted my mindset was when I developed hypothyroidism and I gained weight, it was after college, and there was moments of like, oh, my body betrayed me, it developed a disorder I can't control. Right. And then it just became funny because it was like, we spend a lot of time trying to control what's going on in our lives yeah. um, versus just living boldly. Um, so I really... So began, I think it was like four years ago, to think of, I'm a plus-size dietitian. I'm someone who's got, made it through the diet culture, made it through the, the fluff of social media and the media saying, this is your ideal body. I've made it through the thought process of this should be your BMI. Um, and I've found my balance. And that's something that I can bring to other people. I can bring to my patients. I can bring to other women, other men, children to say, find where your body is happy. Yeah, yeah. And if it's plus, it's plus. If it's a size double zero and that's where your body is happy, then allow your body to be happy. Um, but being a plus size dietitian really empowered me to say, I can begin to write a different narrative of right. what a dietitian means, um, of what being plus size memes. Um, and so that's been very exciting. And then body positivity, like I said, is just finding where your body's happy. Um, so for me, my body's happy when I work out. It releases stress for me. Um, it gives me energy after work. And I like to feel my muscles moving and getting stronger. Yeah. So... For me, body positive is just finding how your body feels happy and choosing to look at other people's bodies, not just your own, but other people's bodies and saying, this person is existing in this body and just loving them and being appreciating them for being present with us in their body. Yeah. I I feel so lucky that um, like you were my clinical uh, super or 
preceptor because so many dietitians you meet during the internship like don't have that approach at all like so many of them are super strict about you know this is this is what's healthy this is what's not healthy this is how you have to talk to your patient and they've never had you know an experience or anything about teaching them like hey you know people come in different shapes and sizes uh, even though I feel like we were all told that in elementary school um uh you know it was really nice to see that you were like happy and positive and not like trying to pretend you were different than you were I guess Oh, thanks, Julia. Yeah, you're welcome. I just, yeah. I, so it goes along with. Have you heard of like the sixty-seven percent project? I've not. Okay, so you would love it. Um, you should look it up. Um, it's it's all about showing. You know, um, well, I'll just read their tagline. It's sixty percent of women in the United States are a size fourteen or above, um, and yet, uh only 2% of images that we see like in the media or advertisements or marketing campaigns are of women that are a size 14 or above. So, and a lot of those ones are like advertisements to get bariatric surgery. So it's like, hooray, um, (laughs) you know, not, not where I want to see those people. Um, So I, I think their, their idea is like, we need to show people what people look like instead of showing people, you know, what a few people look like. And um, that's pretty similar to what you seem to be doing on your your account. I, and I can't take full credit for it because I think that Instagram specifically was a platform that I used to build my own body positivity. Yeah. I looked, I saw like my first plus size woman account Four, four years ago, and it was a woman in, like, a bikini just living happily. Yeah, it wasn't just, a like, smiling. <laughs> this is me 40 times ago, so sad, and now I'm happy. It was like, this is me today, and I'm happy in a bikini. Yeah. And I remember seeing that account, and then I went down a radical of those accounts. Yeah, there's a lot of them if you start looking. It's a yeah. lot. It's a lot, and I really decided to build my Instagram, who I'm following, off of who support, you know, a happy body, a happy life, you know, the yeah. dietitians that you to follow are, you know, they're supporting um, healthy at every size. They're not preaching diet culture or, you know, saying, hey, I can help you lose weight. Right. I, I'm choosing to follow people. And I think that's a big thing that we can all do, though, is choose what we're looking at, choose yeah. what we're following. Yeah. Because the more we see, you know, the, the the weight loss journeys and the, you know, CrossFit, I lost 50 pounds of CrossFit, awesome workout. I don't like it because I don't like group classes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm one of those, I like to do my own thing at the gym. But um, it really was a way that I could create what I see every day. Right. And I love being on Instagram. So if I create what media I'm looking at, what bodies I'm looking at. I'm seeing more Asian women. Um, there's actually a blogger I'm following, and she is Asian, and she's from China, I believe, and now she lives in London. She's lived there since a child. And she did a photo shoot with Asian women in London, and they're all different body shapes, all different colors. And she's basically saying, why are we not represented in 
culture. <laughs> yeah. We in advertisement. Um, and so I think we, we have our own power to shift and demand from companies that this is what we want to see. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm sure you saw this, but did you see the Nike like model or mannequin? I did. I did. <laughs> yeah, and then there was like, uh, so do you want to explain a little bit to listeners what it is, just in case so, they haven't seen it? I believe it was Nike in the UK. Yeah, I think so too. And they launched their first plus size mannequin, and she had awesome Nike yoga pants or workout pants that they had never had in that size before. Right. Sports car that was bigger. And she posed up and they're they're excited because they finally have exercise clothes in larger sizes that plus size women can wear. Yeah. And so initially it's posted and I, you know, saw I was excited. I was bored. Um not necessarily because I'm gonna go running out to Nike. Yeah. But because <laughs> it's amazing to see a large company saying Bigger bodies want to work out. Bigger bodies right. want to And then from there, there was an article from, I believe it was like an online English newspaper that basically said that this woman, there's no way she's going for a run. She probably has diabetes. What? You know, basically <laughs> tracking a, a, a mannequin. A mannequin. <laughs> a man, equating a mannequin to a person and putting health implications on her because of her bigger body yeah um, i saw a lot of posts like on on you know an image of the mannequin of people saying like there's no way you know she would actually work out or something like that and i was like have any of you been to the gym or like run outside you know most people are not you know the the standard <laughs> mannequin that we see um so it, it was just odd. And I was like, I feel like these are the people who who don't work out who are commenting. And it was also odd, though, because I know women in my certain circles who I've encouraged to go to the gym because they're like, I really want to go. Yeah. But I'm afraid. What if people look at me? What if people laugh at me? And, yeah. that, and I was like, the gym is someplace that you're going for yourself for whatever goals you set. Yeah. If anyone has a problem with that, that's on them to deal with. Right. Yeah. And then to see on the mass media scale, people voicing these, you know. It's so sad. Yeah, it's it's very sad, but I was also glad to see, like, a lot of people joining together to say this type of language, this type of rhetoric is not okay. Yeah, definitely. And that this year I was a girls on the run coach and, um, a big part of their message is like just trying to get girls to feel comfortable exercising, especially like as they start to go through puberty, because there's a huge drop off in women who, you know, think that they're capable of exercising or like, okay, enough looking to swim or something like that. Um, once they hit puberty, uh, cause they feel, you know, uncomfortable or awkward or they've gained weight or, or something like that. And so it's all about like trying to get kids to to realize, you know, you don't have to stop. You don't have to stop just because you're becoming an adult. <laughs> and I think that's where I got lucky because I danced until I was about 12. Yeah. And then I had a year where I didn't dance or do anything really. Um, and a lot of it was that the, the dance world can be very limiting to bigger bodies. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I experienced that. Yeah, especially like, 20, 20 years ago, 15 years ago when I was younger. Um, it's 
starting to become more inclusive. But when I was younger, it was very not welcoming. Um, and not to say I had amazing friends in dance, I had good teachers, but as a whole. And then in high school, I transitioned and I played lacrosse. And I think being able to play a sport um, as a teen was very liberating because I was taught in the sport that my body can run. Yeah, you know, definitely. I might need a really good sports bra, but my body can run. <laughs> um, yeah. I can lift weight. I can shoot cold. I can score. So it was, I think that's why I made my transition to college and, and being comfortable in a gym because my body as a teen through these changes has been able to do amazing things. Yeah. That's awesome. So you mentioned earlier you have hypothyroid, right? Yeah. Could you talk a little about, like, for someone who has a chronic illness, how does that, you know, relate to, um, you know, maybe worse images about or worse thoughts about your body or better thoughts? Or how, how do you reckon with, you know, food when it seems so out of your control? So at first... Um it was very much of, well, why did this happen? Um, and a lot of times, so hypothyroidism is basically your thyroid is not functioning properly. It's not producing enough hormones. And these hormones do a lot in your body, but one of the major things they do is they deal with your metabolism. So your metabolism is dramatically reduced while your thyroid is not functioning well. Right. Uh, and for mine, we weren't able to find out why this happened. Usually it's an underlying disease, um, but for me it just happened. Um, and so I think the biggest shift was leading up to finding out I had it um, was just I had been gaining weight, and it did make sense. It was like, hmm, I'm, I'm working out, I'm eating fairly healthy. Like, I eat out, I cook, you know, I do variety, but no drastic changes on my side. So that big red flag of, like, something's wrong with your body. But I had been programmed at that time into diet culture, so I thought it was me not being vigilant enough. Um, and so once I found out what it was, it, it just clicked to be, like, I needed to be listening more to my body versus listening to other things. Because so, I was always tired. Yeah. Um, I felt sluggish. You know, my skin was drier than usual. I had all these symptoms that were hypothyroidism, but I wasn't really listening to my body. Yeah. Um, I was just looking at the outward expression versus saying, oh, your body doesn't feel right. Not just the weight, but just you're exhausted every day. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I think coming from it, um, and it's, for me, it's easily managed. I take a pull a day and my body keeps going. Right. Um, but a lot of chronic illnesses aren't as easy, but it reminds you to listen to your body. Mm. Uh, so for me, when I'm hungry, I eat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a big thing. And I know that, you know, a lot of my friends and family don't eat as frequently as me. So what I'll do is I'll have snacks because I know I will get hungry. Yeah. And my body needs to eat. Um, so it, it very much reminded me to not try and control your body, but to listen to your body. Yeah. And listen to what your body needs. Listen to what your body's saying. And then learn what's normal for your body so that when something's out of whack, you can identify it and be like, oh, this is wrong for my body. Yeah, that's such an important point. Because I think, like, 
we're so used to seeing, at least as dietitians, like the meal plans and, you know, USDA recommended whatever. Um, and, you know, that's fine, but it's really not applicable to the individual. So if you know what you need, it's a lot easier to plan and actually notice when something's wrong instead of being like, I'm wrong all the time, except when I'm sick, when I'm not hungry and I'm, you know, following the meal yep. plan. <laughs> I think when I'm sick is the only time I eat like the supposed daily calories um, for my size. So it's fine. When I'm sick, I eat with birds. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's a very weird time frame and everyone around me notices. They're like, you didn't go get a snack yet? And I'm yeah. like, Guys, I'm not doing well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, well, it's been so nice catching up, Mariah. Um, definitely should do this more often. And... Uh, yeah. Um, I just, you mentioned snacks, so I think you probably know, but my last favorite question is, what's your favorite food? My favorite food? Oh, that is very tricky, and yeah. I could give a big leap answer, but um, <laughs> my favorite food um, would just have to be any type of, like, cooked down fruit with some type of crumble topping. Ooh. Yeah, like any type of crumble. Uh, love fruit and love the crunchiness. So, yeah. Do you have a specific one you like to make? Actually, so around, it's getting into fall and Thank we God. always get my apple picking. Yeah. And so we go, we get the fresh apples and then we bake an apple crumble together. Oh. So that's got to be my favorite. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I can't wait for fall. I'm really done with the heat. <laughs> um, well, thank you so much and have an awesome evening. You too. Thank you. If you enjoyed today's show, please remember to rate and review it. Um, you can do that right on iTunes. You just, you know, click the stars, uh, however many you want. And then you could write a little review as well. That's really the best place um, and the best way for people to find us. And the more reviews and ratings we get, the more people will. So um, you can do that. And you can also just share it with friends and family. Um, please, please keep helping me out um, in the effort to help no one live a life with Ed. Thank you. Have a great week. Bye.